I know that I've had these conversations with you where I'm like, something needs to happen for this. I don't know what it is yet. And I feel like this in between, like there's this discomfort in doing nothing and letting things percolate. Um, and I've, I've really learned to sit in the discomfort of not knowing and trust that if you keep doing the things that you're doing, that you're passionate about, that you will figure it out. Like something will come to you, you'll have a conversation, you'll have a light bulb moment. This is Maestro on the Mic. A podcast designed to help you change your mindset and your life. It is time for something new. Join host Dr. Shante Cofield, also known as the Movement Maestro, on a journey to see the bigger picture. Open your eyes. Find your passion and discover how movement unites us all. Let's get it popping. This is Maestro on the Mic. I'm the Maestro, and you're about to get maestro Three, two, one. Hello friends, Maestro here and welcome back to another episode of Maestro on the Mic. Today I have with me someone who I talk to quite often and yet I haven't had her back on the podcast. The first time was, I believe, January of 2019 and we all know that like seven years has passed uh, within a single year of 2020. But she took the Cirque world by storm She's a physical therapist by trade. She's an entrepreneur. I don't even want to say by choice. I think it's just in her blood. This chick gets shit done. She builds the things. She makes the things. Half the time she's upside down while she's doing the things. And she continues to inspire me day in and day out. She's currently in Canada. I'm over here with my onesie on. She said she was going to have hers on. She doesn't have hers on, but I'm not too salty about it. And yeah, without further ado, welcome to the show, my good friend, Dr. Jennifer Crane. What's up, homie? What an intro. Man, I need to find my onesie now just out of, I I can't leave a salty maestro. I cannot have that. I can't. I'm over here sweating with this onesie on. I know, right? In LA. So ironic. So ironic. Uh, so you folks listening, we will link, I believe it's episode 82. So this is going to be episode almost 300. This will be episode number 200. No, shit. This will be episode number 302. Whoa. Amazing. And that is wild. Isn't that wild? No, wild. She came on for episode 82. So we'll link that in the show notes. You want to hear all the backstory and things like that. You can also, of course, check her out on Instagram at Cirque underscore physio. Don't forget the underscore, right? Uh, but I'm going to flip the mic over. And Jen, this is a humongous question. I'm being a terrible host. But you want to tell us what you've been up to since 2019? Oh, man, that is such <laughs> that is such a broad question. And I, I'm on it. So okay. So I am a physio and athletic trainer and a circus artist. And last time we spoke in January of 2019, I had kind of just made a pretty big life decision yeah. to step away from clinical work and focus more on the performing um, artistic component of who I am as a human. So I had at that point had my Cirque Physio company and my um, brick and mortar physical practice in San Francisco since 2014 and had kind of grown my company throughout those several years working with circus artists and traveling and teaching and doing that whole thing. And I got to a point where I was just kind of like, you know what, I do a lot of things online. I think I can probably location independent with the type of online telehealth work that I'm doing. So I might as well do it now and see if I can make a go of um, this kind of performing life. So um, right when we had that interview was right before I moved to San Diego to work with a few of the coaches down there. And then after that, I drove across the country with my lovely dog, Bella, and then up to Canada. So I've been in Montreal since... um, 2019, uh, May, June, 2019. Um, wow. It's almost my two year anniversary wow, here. Wow, I went so and fast. Yeah, it was great. So I um, made that shift. I spent really most of the time from June, 2019 to the pandemic with just diving into training more, really upskilling on trapeze and on aerial straps and hand balancing and 
uh, Dragon Wire. doing a bit more performing here. Dragon Wire, that's right. I forgot about Dragon Wire. I need to bring that back into my, my daily verbiage. Dragon Wire is my aerial specialty. Um, <laughs> yeah, so I was, I was doing that and just really, really having a great time with a huge shift in what my focus was personally. Um, as I was doing all of that, I continued with um, working with online patients and students. And I also, it was wild to, to, I listened to like the beginning part of our, our first interview. And I was like, whoa, that was right before I launched MyFlex for the first time, which is oh my God. disability training program. Yeah. It hadn't launched yet. What? And I know, isn't that bizarre? Like that's just such a part of you and your, your brand and your company. Yeah. I didn't know there was a time it's before so- it. Yeah, it's so strange to think about before and after my flex and then all of the ways that it's changed in the past few years. But yeah, so I, I really kind of put all of my eggs in the MyFlex basket and um, now just have been working with students all over the world with um, this program. And it's been such a wild ride. And again, like I it's just the least traditional possible career pathway, but it's been so awesome. I've, I've felt really lucky that uh, along the past couple of, uh, past two years, um, I've been able to focus more on working with uh, circus artists and performing artists with Ehlers-Danlos syndrome and other hypermobility spectrum disorders. I've been doing a lot of work with that demographic. Um, recently, I've started working a lot more with trans athletes who have top surgery and kind of helping them navigate the healthcare system and figuring out how to rehab after top sur- gender uh, gender affirming top surgery in a way that allows them to go back to circus which is just such it's wow. such an underrepresented demographic in medicine right now that it's it's been cool like taking those um steps back from my clinical practice have really allowed me to at least leave the doors open for more opportunities like that wow. and when i you know when things popped up where I was able to start working with the, each of those demographics a little bit more, I was in a really good position to be like, yes, I have time and energy for that. And I'm really excited about it. So let's do it. So that that's is... the long and short of what I've been up to. <laughs> I have so many notes. This is so, that last part, I think is so special. And I kind of want to highlight that you're still using your skill set. Yes. Like that is something I, I don't, I mean, I, I drilled fucking just crashed into a tree. And so I'm, you know, <laughs> rehabbing her shoulder, but oh no, I don't even know. No, I told her, I said, don't do that shit. And then look what happened. And her arm <laughs> fell off. So not, oh no, but oh, no. this is, it's, it's an, it's a story that I really want to make sure that the, the listeners, you know, hear that you've always enjoyed like actually working with people and doing the physical therapy, the physio side of things and, and the AT side of things mm-hmm. and in taking a step back and creating space that allowed you to keep doing it. Like I know that burnout's a real fucking thing and then things are weird with COVID and, and the way people are working. I love your story and that you took a step back, you created space and that's allowed you to keep doing this thing. Could you talk a little bit about what it actually looks like in terms of the, from like the practice side and treating people right now? Yeah, absolutely. So kind of with like what you were saying with allowing room and kind of stepping back to see what, and I I feel like honestly, and we've talked about this in the past, like the biggest point there is just that, you know, people always ask like, what should I do next? Like, what's my next thing? Do I do a course? Do I do a webinar? What do I do? And like, I think the thing that has been really helpful for me in all of the, all of the career moves and pivots and changes that I've had have really been a result of just me being receptive to hearing what my community has to say. Mm -hmm. And that's, that has been the driving factor in all of the changes that I have made and all of the areas of focus that I choose to spend my time and energy on is really like hearing and talking to people and seeing what the community wants and needs and where there are those, where there are gaps in that knowledge and see, and then of course, like what, like, what skill sets do I have that can fill those gaps mm-hmm. and how can I address that? So like, that's been a lot of what has happened with the working with people with EDS. And then like, I just, um, I just started having or doing more online telehealth consults with patients in California where I'm licensed. So it's like, yeah, I, I, I think it's really important to be listening to people and yeah. hearing what they're saying. And then, you know, 
filling in the gaps where you can. And yeah. it's that's one of the reasons that I decided to start um, spending more time back with one-on-one -on -one patient care recently mm -hmm. is I, I feel like over the course of the pandemic, especially in Canada, where we're just on this never-ending lockdown yeah. really since it started, um, it's been very isolating, obviously. And so I've, even though we're all on social media and I'm on social media and I'm, you know, everyone's just on the internet right now. I've, I've felt all very disconnected from my community. And so one of, when I was thinking back to what, you know, what started me off on this pathway with Cirque Physio, it was, it was really just working one-on-one -on -one with patients and listening to what they said and noticing patterns and, and, being open to hearing that. And then, you know, I figured out what was next, what was needed next, whether it was my, you know, the PDFs or the eBooks that I published mm -hmm. initially and um, the online courses and the workshops, like that all was a result of one-on-one -on -one work with my community. And so, yeah, I've, I've decided to start doing that again in the past couple of months. And it's been so good. I love social media and I love Instagram and connecting with people there but I was really missing the one-on-one -on -one component of, you know, talking to people about, okay, so tell me what your training week looks like. Let's problem solve yeah. through this. Like, what have you tried? What works? What doesn't work? And like, what do you need from this? And how can I help you achieve that goal? So it's, yeah, it's been really cool to just kind of get back to that and kind of refocus or recenter and then see what is coming up next after that. I love it so much. <laughs> this, number one, you folks know I'm all about like, listen to your people, listen to your people. And for those of you that are like, but my people don't say anything, listen around the edges. As, as a leader, you have to, oftentimes people don't necessarily know what they need until it's placed in front of them. Uh, and as a leader, you know, I'm still in this, borrowing this lovingly from uh, Seth Godin. He says, people like us do things like this. As a leader, it becomes people like us might like things like this or might need things like this. And so you got to kind of go ahead of it, listen, kind of be like, okay, what? I see that there's a little bit of a gap. It's the word that Jen kept using. And then look to fill that gap. Even if people aren't articulating it, you can still see it. And I love that, that everything you're saying there. Yeah, can I absolutely. ask you a very real question about money? Yes, absolutely. So one of the, some of the, the kickbacks, the pushback, I don't kickback, one of the pushbacks I get are here uh, is that, you know, certain demographics don't have as much money and, you know, they can't be charging as much because we're in this cash-based, you know, revolution, renaissance, and, and prices are all over the place. How, mm -hmm. how do you feel about that with your demographic? Have you had to take that into consideration with your pricing structure? You know, I, I've heard and I've certainly felt all of those constraints from the, you know, circus, circus artists are not known for their wealth. Um, as generally performing, performing artists are not, but they also are very willing to spend money on things that they know that they will find value from. And with word of mouth and just, you know, if you are doing good things for your community and you can demonstrate results or show how you have affected positive change in people's lives, people are really willing to spend that money. It's, it's, kind of just like a prioritization thing. Um, but I, th I think it's also, and one of the things that I've been trying to balance, especially over the pandemic, is knowing when to charge for something and when to offer something as a free resource that is really needed in a community that does not have easy access to, you know, whatever research is surrounding their issue. So yeah. like, for example, the um, something that I just released with um, one of my business partners at Hodelmoser, strange wonderful creature on instagram um we put together a resource a free resource that is kind of in the form of a case study but it's a huge it's like a 40 yeah, page document 40, this thing is massive. <laughs> but like yeah so we did we did this as um kind of like a just free resource for other circus humans who were having gender affirming top surgery just as something to be like this is like this is what s's rehab was like and i was there for um i kind of oversaw all of s's rehab um and just to provide a resource for a community that doesn't have a lot of resources during a time that it is hard to make money. And so like just providing that resource for free yeah. actually has been really, really awesome to see the response from the community because so many people kind of came out of the woodwork and were like, oh my gosh, this is such 
an important resource to have. I'm having top surgery next week or like oh. my, my son is having top surgery next week or whatever. Like so many wow. people came out and were just like, oh, this is so cool. We need more of this. Yeah. And so it's, yeah. it's interesting because, and I don't know, I, I'm still really not sure how I want to, how I'll be integrating this demographic and this um, creating edu- uh, resources for this demographic into what I'm currently doing, but I'm not stressed about it because no. I have spent the past however many years creating a business that I know I can get, like, I know I have a consistent income stream from working online, from MyFlex, from all these other things. And I know what's going to happen from this is like, I I'm, I have a feeling that us and I will, you know, give a lot, give a lot of things away for free, but there will also be opportunities. And I don't know yeah. what they are yet because this just happened last week, but things will pop up where we'll be like, or I'll be like, oh my gosh, this is something that is like a really cool niche area here that is a potential income generating source. So yeah, I think it's just like, it's really cool to be able to be like, I am super passionate about creating resources for this community. And I can do that because I have all of these other income streams that I've already set up. So it's really cool to be able to give back in that way that's so specific to a need that is so clearly necessary in this community. Uh, You can't see me because... We don't have the cameras on because it didn't matter because you don't have your onesie. But <laughs> right now, I am. My arms are in the air, and there's just so much to be taken away from this. I wrote it down. I'm gonna go through it because this is so so freaking good. Number one, that people will pay for things that they value. I'm not telling you to go out and charge a bajillion dollars just because you can, but understanding that like so much of it is a story we tell ourselves, I can't charge this because people can't afford it or they don't want to pay it. If sometimes people value something and solves a problem, people mm-hmm. will pay it. The second part though, that ties in there that I freaking love, uh, and I have, a, I have a free resource about this as well. Uh, it's called the Value Ladder. We'll link that. Uh, Jen, we'll link, Jen, can we link your- um, Yeah. 40 yeah, page the book. Case study. <laughs> the 40 page book. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so we'll we'll link that in the show notes. We're gonna link the value ladder as well. What Jen has done here is created a product suite. She's created multiple offers. And this is how, if you were ever wondering, like, oh, I don't know how to price things and like should I have a sliding scale? I personally don't subscribe to the narrative of sliding scales. I don't do that. But I will offer different things at different price points and different resources. Mm-hmm. Th- things can be free. That's amazing. You can create a resource like this that will absolutely help people and it can meet them where they're at and gives them the information, but also meets you where you're at. And you're not, you don't have to, um, what's the word I want to use? You don't have to be salty about anything. I'll just say that. Oh, uh, really, so, Shante? Like, like onesie. Hey, I'm going to say salty about that because you didn't meet me where I'm at. <laughs> you didn't meet you're me. Right, you're right. There's, there's a closed border between us, Shante. <laughs> <laughs> didn't meet me where I'm at, so I'm salty about that. <laughs> the, th- the third part there is, this is, again, why I do not like that burn the ships narrative. When you don't have any kind of safety net in place, it really limits what you can do. It really kind of handcuffs you and forces you to make certain decisions. Jen has it's been a while. She's been making building this business for quite some time. But that's part of the goal, I believe, when we when you create a business is so that you can have that business and do the things that you want to be doing. You may not be able to do them right out, out of the bat, but over time, she has this you know predictable or steady income that is going to allow her to give back. And we actually talked about this on the episode with Carrie Pagliano. You know, Jen said, you know, circus artists and performing artists aren't known for being, you know, super wealthy. Guess what? Neither are PTs. PTs <laughs> don't make a lot of fucking money. So if you're listening to this and you're a new grad, PTs don't make a whole lot of money. Uh, given how much debt you typically go come out with, it's not like some super lucrative career. But there are plenty of ways for you to give back, especially when you set yourself up for success, like Jen has done. Right? When you diversify your offerings, when you are you know, treating in different ways, when you're creating space so that you can show up and fill different gaps. There's, that's a phenomenal way to give back. You don't necessarily have to go and be like, I'm going to go and treat for free in, you know, in these areas, which I don't think is even the best way to do things, to be completely honest. 
-hmm. but you can give back in so many other ways. And then the last part I'm talking about there is the confidence and the conviction that Dr. Crane has in herself, in figuring this out. This is what I want. That right there is what I want for all of you, where you're like, you know what? I can figure it out. I've done it before and I trust myself to handle the outcome of this decision. I know that opportunities will present themselves because I'm going to create them and there's not this finite, uh, you know, pool of opportunities there. So, so, so much, Denver. This is, oh, that's one simple little question I already knew. You're just going to fucking blow it out of the water. (laughs) Absolutely, absolutely amazing. Can you talk a little bit about, as we're talking about diversifying your offerings and such, can you talk a little bit about MyFlex just so people can remember and then we can talk about how you've changed it? Absolutely. Yeah. I feel like my flex has gone through so many changes in the, in a short few years of existing. Um, but when I, so when I first created my flex, the idea and the reason behind it was really after I'd been working with circus artists for a few years, you know, I started to notice all of these patterns and, you know, the contortionists who would come in with chronic hamstring strains or shoulder impingement or whatever. So I started to notice all of these patterns in like their range of motion and their strength and all of these different tests that I kind of tweaked from, you know, what we learn in PT school and Mm -hmm. all of the standard tests and measures. And I would just tweak them a little bit to be more specific to this performing arts demographic that required extreme ranges of motion Mm -hmm. with extreme strength and control in those regions. So that was really where I saw that disconnect with my circus patients and their stories from other healthcare providers is, you know, they can rehab you to kind of normal human life, but not to circus life. And so for all of the people who wanted a good flexibility program that wasn't just passive overstretching, you know, for five minute overslip holds, if they wanted something beyond that, and it was, it's mostly focused towards adults who don't have who didn't do any sort of performing art or flexibility requiring sport growing up so it's for people like that who want a more um a bit more nuanced assessment of their current flexibility baseline and then a program that is generated based off of that their base their assessment report so i had a whole it's a 14 part assessment it's i kind of liken it to the fms or the sfma mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. in that it's you know you can there are different scores and different brackets that you can fall into with each test and it's you know full body flexibility program so it's you know from shoulder to neck to to feet and based off of their assessment which initially was a video guided self assessment mm-hmm. so i had i made all of these videos and um, it was like this whole production team and we put together all of the how to do the assessment videos and all of exercise videos. So I had this huge, huge project that had all of these videos generated from it. So it started off for the first year and a half as a self-assessment. So students would basically buy the program, watch all of the introductory videos that teach about um, anatomy and physiology and biomechanics as relevant to performing artists. And then it would guide them through this 14-part self-assessment. They would do all of the measurements, and then submit their results. Once they submitted their results, I would um, go in and I have kind of an algorithm that I follow based off of, you know, if they fall into, if their hip internal rotation is between 55 degrees and 70 degrees, they get this exercise. And so there's kind of like a skeleton outline program that I follow and then um, plug in all of the gaps. to 75. I'm already laughing. Like what? I know, right? Isn't that just crazy to think about? But this Excuse is me? very normal in that world. I know, Excuse I know, me? I know. <laughs> Right. But yeah, so it was basically they would do the assessment um, and then get a program that was specific to their assessment findings. So it started off like that and continued for a few years. And then this last summer, I kind of reached a point where it was it was kind of stagnating and I felt like it could be better. And the feedback that I was getting was it was kind of people were split into two camps. And there was one camp of students who self-identify as anatomy movement nerds and want to learn all the things and want all of the nitty gritty about the assessment and what each test tells you and they want all the details. And then there were the other people who were like, 
I literally don't care. I just want mm-hmm. to be able to stretch and not get hurt. And I've never yeah. done that. So please help me do that. Yeah. And they don't need all of the nitty gritty details, nor do they want it. So I was like, okay, how can I make this a bit more? Um, how can I make everybody, you know, win from this? How can everybody get what they want without extra fluff that they don't need? So I am super lucky that um, I've been working with Carly Huberman, who's another circus PT. Um, she just had her two year. She uh, has been out of PT school for two years and has just absolutely crushed it. Like. She opened up her own practice right out of the gate, knew what she wanted to do, worked with circus artists. Um, We've been working together in kind of like a mentor-mentee capacity. And she, at one point, messaged me and she was like, hey, Jen, um, so like a few of the MyFlex students are asking if if I can help them with their assessment. So I was thinking like if it would be okay with you that I could do like a video assessment with them and just run them through all of the tests and then I could do all the measurements and just give you the results. And so she had been doing that for a couple of months at that point, which was so awesome and so helpful. But I was like, ah, how can we integrate that into, you know, phase two of my flex? So what I decided to do was I was like, okay, I think we're going to scrap the self-assessment because it takes a lot of time and people, mm-hmm. some people don't want it. Like they mm-hmm, just want mm-hmm. their, their program. Um, so I was like, okay, we'll scrap the self-assessment, do Zoom-based one-on-one assessments with every student that enrolls. Um, but I don't want to do all of those Zoom assessments. And Carly doesn't have enough hours in her week to do all the Zoom assessments either. So I was like, all right, I think it's time to hire people and start expanding. And so that was the most terrifying leap I have ever taken in the history of my business. Yeah, I remember this. Right? Oh, man, so many texts to you being Mm. like, I don't know how to do this. What do I do? It's just so strange to think about other people representing your brand when your brand has been you. Yeah, yeah. And I was like, oof, okay. But it was, I mean, it turned out so well. I have such an incredible group of coaches. They, they're just, they're so fantastic. And they each have so many awesome areas of subspecialization. And some of the coaches are PTs, some are ATCs, some are circus coaches. And so it's a really wide range of um, coaches and they all like, it was just, I could not have been more lucky with the group that I ended up hiring. So, so yeah, now basically how it goes is every time somebody signs up for MyFlex, the first thing they do is they schedule an assessment with a coach and they're like, obviously they can choose who they want to work with. If they have a preference, Um, they do the assessment and the coaches, um, put all of like score, do all the score, um, the report card, and then send it to my team of VAs who puts together like the skeleton outline based on that algorithm. And then they message me and they say, these people are ready for you to look over. And then I go on and I kind of tweak the programs and make sure everything looks good. And then the student gets their program. So it's changed a lot. And it was, you know, I went into the last summer um, when I started to kind of make that shift I was like all right like super like knew what I wanted to do was like ready to go and like do all the things and historically I've always like when I've come to a point like that I just go all in and just it it gets done and it's awesome and it's like you know that push of working from sun up to sundown on something that you're so excited yeah, about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Cause I, we also like did a complete website overhaul and changed website platforms and web developers. And like, it was everything changed. Um, and looking back, I think what I've learned, what I learned from that is that I can still do that. I can still do the big push work really hard for a few months, but it comes at a much higher cost yeah. for me personally. So we did that. It launched. Everything went great. It was just like one of those things that it was, you know, you know, when something's right, you can feel it. And it was that. And that was so, so fulfilling. But I spent the next like three months just like on the couch, exhausted, burnt, like recovering from burnout. So it was definitely a really good learning experience for me and who I am as a human and how I work and the things that um, motivate me to get things done. And like, I, it was great. I learned a lot. And I also learned that 
I, it is important for me to pace myself right now. So yeah, but I mean, now everything is so much better. We've had, I think, two, two or three launches of MyFlex, which we open enrollment every couple of months, um, two or three with the coaches. And like, it's just so much better. It was such a good decision. The students have such a better experience with their assessment and they can do reassessments every couple months if they want. So like, it's so, it, it was such a good move for the student experience in MyFlex. And I'm just, I'm so happy with how it turned out. That was a huge explosion, huge changes. And, you know, yeah. I hope folks listening to this, you hear that it's okay to change and grow. And if you want to say the same, that's fine too. Uh, but it's also totally fine to keep, you know, rebuilding and reiterating and, and making, improving things after listening to the people and, and listening to yourself. I think something that's really important from Jen's story from the very beginning of this episode is her willingness uh, to listen to herself and be like, this is what I need. Like, if you listen to the first episode we did, Jen stepped away from from treating and, and the clinical side of things to focus on her goals and her needs. And I think it's super, super important uh, for anything that you do, right? But borrowed goals are not the way. Uh, but as it relates to my flex, and she's saying, you know, I, I felt like I was things were getting a little bit uh, stagnant. And also in terms of growth, I didn't want to do these things. This is yep. super important. Mm-hmm. You don't have to. <laughs> you have to pay somebody else, but you don't have to to do that. Uh, but just, you know, being in your orbit, in your ecosystem, when these, these changes were happening, I was scared. Like, I'm very much in the same boat of my my brand is me. And so mm-hmm. to think about somebody else representing that, that is like incredibly scary. And so, you know, earlier on in the podcast, when I said she can, that Jen continues to inspire me, this is largely it. Just the way that she runs her business and her brand and her life is, to me, truly, truly inspiring. With, with MyFlex, Jen, mm-hmm. I feel like you have kind of like an academy they're like, there's other offerings inside. Yeah. Can you talk about that? Yeah, I totally forgot about that. It's so funny it's because changed. I'm like, I talk about the evolution and then I leave out like this huge change that was, <laughs> is like one of the coolest things about the new MyFlex. Um, but we also have, because this, the change happened um, in the middle of the pandemic, right? So mm-hmm. when all of like circus artists and performing artists were just getting laid off worldwide. Um, so when I hired coaches, I kind of, you know, tried to keep that in mind and hired people who were qualified and could do all the things, but also who, you know, were maybe directly out of work or had something affected um, by the pandemic. And then I also, one of the things that I, that we did or that we decided to do was to open like a MyFlex online studio because everyone is doing online, you know, group circus exercise, whatever classes. And I was like, well, this seems like it could be cool too. Let's try it and see, you know, if it works. It's like a very low risk attempt and if it doesn't work or people aren't interested then it's fine we literally lost nothing there's no overhead except like acuity fees which is like you know nothing Nothing. um but yeah so we have this myflex online studio so the coaches um my the regular myflex coaches some of them um do normal weekly classes so um there are different you know shoulder flexibility classes or shoulder prehab classes or knee prehab class like literally so many things handstand classes aerial conditioning for grounded aerialists who don't have access to an aerial rig. So many classes that were so awesome. And so we have that going on every week where they're regular classes. Um, And then we also have uh, guest instructors that come in and teach in their area of expertise. So we host workshops from, you know, people all over the world. And that's been the coolest thing because basically I get to sit back and just scroll through Instagram and be like, oh my gosh, this person is amazing. They teach things that I'm really interested in learning. I wonder if they would teach this for the MyFlex students. And so I just get to like curate this collection of incredible guest experts in whatever their area of expertise is to come and teach the MyFlex students. And all like, it's very instructor driven. Mm-hmm. So the way that I have it set up is I so I think I keep 10% of whatever they charge per student mm-hmm. for the admin costs. But then I'm like, you set your own price, you set your own oh, time length, shit. set your hours, Amazing. they go in, they schedule their classes, they can promote it on the MyFlex page, but it's all very self-motivated. 
So for people, for the coaches who like really want to establish a student base through the MyFlex Studio, that option is open and so many have done that um, and created their own awesome like subculture within MyFlex of their regular weekly classes. And um, yeah, so it's it's been really cool. And then the extra cool thing um, with a 10%. So basically what I, what we decided to do with the 10% that uh, the studio keeps that I keep, um, I kind of looked back and at the first couple months of doing this, and we had like the the we I had a lot left over from that ten percent, so like mm-hmm. the Zoom costs and acuity yeah. are like very minimal. And I was like, ah, you know, it'd be cool is if we took this extra, and then all of the MyFlex students voted on which nonprofits to donate to, and we could do that every quarter. So we just did that for the first quarter of this year. And it was so cool because it was that like, awesome. I put a post up in the MyFlex group and I was like, hey, we have like $1,000 for the first from the first quarter um, from this extra from the MyFlex studio. So like, let me know what your favorite nonprofits are right now. And people like dropped their favorite charities in the comments and we voted on it and then donated to like four different places. And it was so cool. And one of them was... <sighs> um, one of the MyFlex students who started their own nonprofit. Oh. And I was like, it's just so cool. Like the, yes. the ways that these things kind of pop up and become. It's amazing. Yeah. It's, it's just, it was really cool. It's cool to see how everything has changed and evolved. But the MyFlex studio is definitely one of my favorite things. This is amazing. The, new so MyFlex. the MyFlex studio, it's just for people who have completed MyFlex. Yeah. And people can, the people that you bring in, to teach they can be like we're teaching i'm teaching a class every week every week because i guess it's on their zoom mm-hmm. schedule it's not like inside of yep so it's actually so all of the coaches that are regular myflex coaches have their own zoom account within myflex okay so i have like the 10 licensed zoom accounts okay um so they all, they can run their classes through their myflex zoom account and then the guest coaches i have like a guest coach login for that zoom account too so whoever the guest instructors are that come in and whether they teach a regular weekly class or a one-off workshop, um, they just, you know, get those instructions. And I have a wonderful chaos taming executive assistant that is just the best at organizing all of this. And so she has everything so streamlined um, that it's, I I don't have to do anything except for find people that I want to learn from and direct them towards Mikkel, my lovely chaos tamer to schedule and get oriented. This is where exactly what I wanted to go towards in this <laughs> terms of this, the chaos tamer and hiring. Like mm-hmm. what has that process been like for you? And how do you, like, it's not a coincidence that you bring good people on and you have good people around you, but how do you go about hiring people? How do you, you know, sift through or how do you decide requirements? That was, that is the hardest thing ever. So it's so difficult. And I definitely am still not perfect at it. And I learn, I mean, from the first person you hire, even if it's like a a VA who just helps you with your inbox management, you learn so much about yourself. And what I know about myself is that I am really bad at hiring based on, and this specifically, I'm not referencing the MyFlex coaches because they're like their own unicorns and I knew who I wanted from day one and they were all perfect. But, but like I'm talking about like um, online business managers that I've hired to work for me or virtual assistants of varying capacities or web designers, web developers, videographers, people who are kind of doing that realm of work for my company. Um, and with those type of people, I am so bad at hiring based off of qualifications and experience because this is what happens I get on a zoom call with them and we just start chatting and have a great time and I'm like you seem like a good person I briefly look over their resume I hire them and it doesn't work out because I didn't do a thorough enough job checking references and doing all the background work that needs to happen so like after after I had a few like swings and aggressive misses I was like all right I know that I need to not talk face-to-face with these people until I am very sure that they are qualified and I've checked their references. And then mm-hmm. I can run them through the personality, will we work well together test. Mm-hmm. Um, so mm-hmm. that was really, really interesting to learn about myself. Mm-hmm. And everyone is so different with how, like when I hear my friends talking about how they hire and do things. Totally. So some people are just so good at being like, you know, the really 
aggressive questioner and being like, oh, so tell me about your experience with this. And I'm just like, no, I smile, I laugh, I talk. I'm not intimidating ever. I could not, I couldn't be intimidating if I tried so hard. It wouldn't work. I was wondering about that. I'm like, how's that going? No, no, not well. I just lean into not being intimidating. I mean, I think the balance there too is so important though, because you actually have to work with these people. So like, I need you to be competent Mm -hmm. and like a go-getter and, but I also like want to like you because I I can work with you in some capacity. Yeah. So that was kind of like figuring that out about myself with hiring was definitely important, but then like kind of zooming out even more, I think, and especially after last summer with um, all the Black Lives Matter movement and all of that, like I mean, I was hiring in the midst of this and it was something that I was so, so acutely aware of that I really wanted to do well Mm -hmm. and, or do at least, at least put a lot of effort into doing the right thing so that when I messed up and was corrected, I could be like, okay, great. I can course correct. Thank you for letting me know and, you know, moving on. So like what I kind of arrived at with how I hire, like with a broader lens is with coaches specifically, kind of, I had so many different layers of things that I was looking at for hiring. Um, Obviously, they need to be qualified. They need to, most of the things that I was looking at with how I was going to hire the coaches was like, do I, do I know this person? Do we have a, like a rapport? How long have I known them? Because I definitely wanted to hire people that I knew personally and had worked with in the past. So I was like, okay, uh, do I know them? Are they a good person? Do they dem- have they demonstrated interest in my work um, mm-hmm. and in learning from me? And you know, there's a pretty big pool of those people. I feel very lucky in that capacity. So I was like, okay, let's like let's, that's kind of the first layer. And then like within that, okay, I want a mix of PTs and non-PTs. So kind of looking at that, and then I really prioritized um, the first round of like interviews and hiring I did was from that batch of people who met all of the qualifications. I prioritized um, people in the LGBT, LGBTQ community and BIPOC folks. Mm-hmm. And so I was like, okay, I'm going to go through and interview all of these people. And if they're a good match and a good fit and they're interested, then they get the job. And then I'm just going to kind of like mm-hmm. basically walk, walk down the privilege ladder. Yeah. And like the last, like I, I don't have any cis white straight men that work for me mm-hmm. because there are so many other yeah. people that yeah. are way, that are qualified and awesome and not, yeah. you know, full of this white male privilege so yeah so it was kind of like I, I kind of just stumbled through I love trying it. to do everything in a way that um felt socially responsible yeah and you know was just like kind of got to the point where I was like okay I'm gonna I'm definitely not gonna do everything perfectly and I will make mistakes but like hopefully I will have set myself up to be receptive to feedback in totally. that in all of the mistakes that I will be making and then I can do better. Love this. How did that go being not that part, but you are very vocal about your viewpoints, which I love about you on social media. <laughs> yes. Good and time. you know, as a business owner, I got the majority, I think, honestly, I never know who listens to this fucking podcast, but I'm going to say, I guess, that a lot of people are business owners in some capacity. And I understand the the fear of, um, you know, expressing certain things. Mm-hmm. You don't seem to have that. Uh, can you talk about your experience with that and just how that... How are you like how you are? And you're like, yeah, this is my <laughs> viewpoint. This is what I believe in. I'm I'm saying this. I'm putting this up here. I'm doing like, you know, five posts about this thing. How is that? How was that? And where does that come from? Yeah, I, honestly, I have no idea why I like, because I really don't care if yeah. I lose followers yeah. or get like shitty messages from people because I posted that I think Black Lives Matter. Like, mm-hmm. I, I, I just don't. I, I think that that's a great way to weed out people who are, um, not my people. Um, so yeah, I I think the first, the first time that I really realized this about myself was as like the, as Cirque Physio as this kind of online, uh, brand was when Trump got elected in 2016. And I was like, Oh my gosh, like this, this is actually horrible Mm -hmm. for me, for my community, for people I love and care about. And then he started enacting all of the uh, very transphobic legislation. Yeah. And I was like, okay, great. Um, we're going to, I'm, 
I had all of these um, active flexibility programs up for sale. And I was like, great, 48-hour sale. Anyone who buys a program, all of the proceeds will be donated to the ACLU. Mm. And like, and that was the first time that I got really vocal about my, my viewpoints and yeah. my political beliefs. Um, but really, I don't know. I feel like it's just basic human decency that it comes down to. So, so yeah, I don't know. Like, I'm definitely not worried about losing people based off of yeah. things I post in that capacity. Um, and I think, and I, I just think it's so important. Like, I have a big platform. I, I think it's really, I've always felt very pulled in the direction of, I have a platform. I have people that are watching me and, and a lot of people who like, so many of my people, my followers are in these populations that yeah, no, you're, have, are having all of this shit thrown at them. Absolutely. And I feel like if I'm in this position where I can do anything helpful, then why, why wouldn't I? Like, I, I feel very pulled to do things like in, in that realm. And, and yeah, I, I don't, I don't know. I don't know why I am that way, but it's it. definitely something that is really important to me. And I kind of have just always been unapologetically loud about. So, I see it. Yeah. I'm here for it. In that same vein, <laughs> uh, getting folks that try to like fucking the annoying people in the comments, not about social justice <laughs> issues, but people that are like trying to fucking talk about movement and just being assholes the mansplainers yeah how have you how, how has that been and how you handle that I mean you know I think that that's I I can tell a lot about my response to those comments but I, the things that I can learn from my response is like am I am I burnt out am I overwhelmed do I need to take like mm-hmm. a, a break mm-hmm. and take a walk around the block um because I think most of the time I don't know. I have many different responses kind of in my arsenal. There's the just ignore it and or delete it. And then I'm also lucky to have a group of wonderful friends that I can kind of just call to action to be like, hey, someone commented. Can someone please say something? And, you know, Avengers unite and they go in and like, yeah, it's it's fantastic. I love it. Um, I love seeing it. I think I've definitely largely by your influence started ignoring blocking deleting as my primary response I spent so much time in the first few years and I mean still sometimes Mm -hmm. responding to people who don't deserve my energy um and I started to get really um really salty about it and I'm like why am I spending all my energy on these people who have no desire to actually be in a, a conversation with me about this um and then I was like oh I I just can not do that but that was definitely something that like I had to go through my own back and forth to figure out what works for me I love that I love that just giving people permission that they don't ask for but they sometimes need Mm -hmm. to go through that process it's fun too sometimes I just watch and I'm like oh Jen's got time today yeah and sometimes (laughs) it's nice though because now it's like my relationship with those types of comments is like they're they've gotten to be fewer yeah. and further between, luckily. So when they do come about, it's almost like, ooh, yay! Yes, exactly. Yes. This, this will is be, real, this this be something. <laughs> real deal, real talk. Like I, I, yeah. I really appreciate you being so you know transparent with that because yes, it's easy to say just like block everyone and don't worry about it and realistically one of the reasons I asked Jen is because she doesn't get them very much anymore like she said but she used to get you know whatever just a handful mm-hmm. I don't really get them so it was easy for me to be like just block them and ignore them because I don't really have to fucking deal with them so it's easy when you don't have to deal with the thing to say don't deal with the thing uh, as someone that's you know I, I would and I definitely have been in there with Jen's comments and seeing <laughs> these people and stuff some of the shit they say you're just like what uh, so I, I appreciate you being real with that and transparent with that. And if, if you listening to this are experiencing that, I think the biggest thing that Jen said is like, what does it tell you about you? What does your response tell you about you and what you need? I love that. Yeah, love that, Jen. for sure. I love that. <laughs> I'm aware of the time. I got like one more question and then we'll do the, the final, um, maybe two more questions and then we'll do the final question. But one of the things that you've been saying, not one of the things you're saying in the background of what you've been saying so casually, mm-hmm. the things you do are very big. 
Jennifer. You like <laughs> be like, I'd build a whole new algorithm for this and then hire all these people. And I had this, you know, team is growing and your vision for this, for my flex. I know a lot of other people that have ideas like this where it's like, okay, they want to, they want to personalize a, a program that's not one-on-one care. And it's like a huge undertaking. And you go like, I'm going to freak this out. I'm going to like, people will take measurements. You know, there's a thing that they'll input it. And then from there, it'll spit out this because I've created this, you know, this matrix of sorts. These are all big things. And after that, you said that, yes, you've learned that, you know, as, as we've matured, that doing huge things and doing a million huge things at once does come with its, you know, repercussions, if you will. Uh, or it's, I don't know if that's the word, it just has its outcomes. And sometimes you get a little bit tired. Can you speak in any way you want to the mindset when you're going into these undertakings, like you're hiring people from abroad, you are hiring all these coaches. These are big things. Mm-hmm. Is there a specific mindset you have? Is there anything that you want to say to people? It could be just be like, just fucking do it and you'll be okay. Like anything. Absolutely. I think that especially in the past year and a half, I've kind of, and you and I've, I know that I've had these conversations with you where I'm like, ah, oh, yeah, like I know I need something needs to happen for my flex. I don't know what it is yet. Mm-hmm. Something needs to happen for this. I don't know what it is yet. And I feel like this in between, like there's this discomfort in doing nothing and letting things percolate. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've, I've really learned to like sit in the discomfort of not knowing mm-hmm. and trust that if you keep doing the things that you're doing that you're passionate about that you will figure it out like something will come to you you'll have a conversation you'll have a light bulb moment but then also like I have a lot of ideas all the time I have learned that I need to like sit with them before jumping straight into my giant project so sit with the idea let it percolate don't do anything drastic and then it's like for me the decision of like whether whether or not to jump into this next big project or the the big thing whatever it is i if if i am not so excited about it that i can hardly handle it if i'm if it's not a fuck yes it's a no yeah. and like that is really truly how i have to live my business life and i mean my life in general but especially mm-hmm. with everything business because for me and who i am as a person I, if I'm not so excited about something and so passionate about something, then it is really hard for me to do yeah. it. And it's really hard for me to create a product that I am super proud of if I am not passionate about it. And so I've done, I've committed to projects that are big that I think are a good idea, but I don't have that gut feeling of just like butterflies in my stomach mm-hmm. and excitement. If I don't have that, I've learned that for me, I need to say no until something changes. And so that's the biggest thing that I've learned in the big project sense of when do you commit? When do you not commit? But like once, once it's a fuck yes. And once you have the butterflies and like, can't go, can't have a conversation without bringing it, bringing it, bringing it up with somebody. Like once you're at that point, then do it, like get on it. It has to happen. I love this answer. I love it. <laughs> I'm just, I'm just so anti like protocols and shit like oh my that. God, I know. And, like I try not to ask questions like that, but like I love that answer. That's just like, yes, one sit yep. with the discomfort, think about things for a little bit, and then that bit's a big part. Uh, this, this being excited about it. Are you excited about this thing? Do you actually want to be doing this thing? Mm-hmm. <sighs> I can love it. Yep. And then that that trust that you have in yourself. It's so true. When you have these projects, they seem big, but if you're truly excited about it, it it doesn't. It's like when you're not mm-hmm. super excited about something that you're like, oh my God, but then there's this thing. And then there's you're like trying to talk yourself out of it, like the self-sabotage. Yeah. And when you're like, I want to do this thing, then you're like, okay, well, I'll take one step at a time and I'll ask somebody else. I'll ask Jen what she said. And folks, Jen and Fer and I had this conversation before the call. If you ask, if you ask someone for advice and that person, you respect <laughs> them, and they are doing the thing that you want to be doing, and you ask them for advice, just take it. There's no whatabouts. There's no what ifs. You just take that shit and you do it. It's literally as simple as that because you will learn either way, and then you will have more information to move forward with. 
all so too often true. see people that they don't they just don't do shit. Like you want to succeed, just keep going. Get started and then keep going. And so if you're if in getting started, you've asked someone, if you've asked Jennifer in the past about something, you're like, I want to do this thing like she did it. And you've asked her and she's been gracious enough to discuss this with you. Just take the advice and go do it. It's literally you have a shortcut. There's no other shortcuts don't exist, but that is one that does exist. When someone who you respect, who's doing the thing you want to be doing, has the same values, has that life, is doing it, you just go and take the advice. So simple. So simple. So, I love it. It's so, so, so simple. All right. Two questions and then you can, I'll leave you alone. Number one, what's coming up? What do we got? How can people work with you, learn from you, connect with you? Absolutely. Tell me some shit. So MyFlex is opening next month. Um, in or next month? What are we in? It's it's opening in early June, whenever that is. Oh, perfect. To when you're listening to this. Yeah, um, perfect. So yeah, early June, it'll be open. Time. Yep, we open enrollment for usually about two weeks or in, or when the instructors all fill up and are, are like, no, no, no more. <laughs> We're at capacity. Whatever happens first. So usually it's about two weeks in June. So that is for anybody who... Um, yeah, you know, probably identifies as a movement nerd, likes to learn a little bit about the anatomy and the backstory of why, why our body works the way that it works with flexibility, and also just wants a flexibility program that focuses more on active flexibility and strengthening so that you will not get injured when you need to do things like performing that require flexibility. So that opens in June. Um, that's really right now. That's the only thing that I have that is, I also, I do my online telehealth consults by the time this is this goes out I will probably have opened up um, my consults to include people who are not just limited to California which is what I'm doing right now for telehealth because that's where I'm licensed mm-hmm. um, I am going to shortly be opening something that I think is going to be called the performance plateau consultation so basically Ooh. that's going to be for people um, for circus artists or performing artists who are stuck on a skill so for example if an aerialist uh really cannot get, you know, a skin the cat or a meat hook or some other aerial skill and they've just been stuck on it. They've had coaches, they've had other people look at it. I go in and basically look at the skill. We talk about what's been limiting them. And then I do an assessment and get them on like what I'm calling like your circus vitamins to add into the program you're already doing to help you achieve that skill. So that's something that I'm also really excited about. It's not out yet. I think it hopefully will be by the time this airs. Um, but yeah, that's that's what's coming the coming down the pipeline. Um, and then I'm kind of just waiting and seeing what what happens. I'm letting the um, trans advocacy and healthcare um, resources. I'm letting that all just kind of percolate in my head. I have a few ideas for where I want that to go. Um, but yeah, that's kind of oh, that's so what I've good. got going on in the near future. So good. And we'll link in the show notes. But uh, website, where can they find these things? CirquePhysio.com and on Instagram, Cirque underscore Physio. Um, I mean, I'm on TikTok, but I don't do much there. Oh, so yeah, probably just Instagram and um, my website. Fucking TikTok. One more thing. <laughs> what about, because uh, I actually sent someone your way the other day. Now I'm like, did I do the wrong thing? Uh, if people are looking for EDS um, or hypermobility spectrum disorder information resources, do you anything with that? Yes. Absolutely. So I am in a collaboration with a group of other healthcare providers and movement experts called Bendy Bodies. So on Instagram, we're Bendy underscore bodies. Um, And that is basically the whole mission of Bendy Bodies is to create resources surrounding um, the education of people with hypermobility disorders. So whether you just have general joint hypermobility, or if you have one of the more extreme uh, subtypes of Ehlers-Danlos syndrome, we really focus on um, creating resources and uh, content for that demographic. So Bendy Bodies also always has new things coming out there. Uh, amazing. I have had quite a few people asking or talking about that. I still get questions about like movement stuff, but like they'll be like, do you have a resource? Because I know that I'm not trying to like do anything. Yeah. And that is huge, 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 huge. So we will link all that in the show notes. Um, yeah, that's, that's awesome, Jen. I didn't realize you were, this was like a collaboration thing. That is fucking dope. Yeah, it's been really, it's been really great. It's a, it's a really cool group of humans. That's amazing. Uh, amazing. I mean, I'm looking at my notes, making sure that I got with the resources. We talked about my flex. We talked about the big things, the hiring process, the changes. I think we covered all the things. We're closing in about an hour. So I will ask the final question, which is, 
Is there anything you'd like to leave the people with? Oh, man. I don't know. <laughs> I mean, I, I, you know, I, th I think I like leaving on the, if it's not a fuck yes, it's a no. Love it. I think that that's just really good advice for the climates that we are all in right now. I, I think that that's just applicable across the board. <laughs> uh, this is why I love this woman. That was phenomenal. Dr. Crane, thank you so much. I know you're busy and you're doing things. You're trying to move and be all over the place and you changed your hair. There's a lot of stuff going on. So thank you for, for taking the time. Uh, this is it's always great to talk to you, but uh, super grateful for you taking the time and sharing your brain with the peoples. It is always a pleasure to chat with you. I'm going to go find my onesie so that we can FaceTime <laughs> take a photo together now. Salty. Very salty. <laughs> yep, yep, always. Very, very salty. You folks listening, thank you. I know you could have been doing anything and you chose to listen to us. And for that, we are both endlessly, endlessly appreciative. Haven't done this in a while, so I might as well do it now. If you liked it, if you loved it, if you're picking up what we're putting down, do me a solid and show the podcast some love. It does help other people find it. So you want to leave a little review. You want to tap those stars. If you're listening on Apple Podcasts, that would be amazing. And if you want to spread a little love, why don't you share this with somebody who you think might enjoy it? All right, officially wrapping it up. Until next time, friends, Dr. Jennifer Crane and Maestro 